The following is a paid podcast from Prudential. Welcome to Wealth Wits, a podcast about money made exactly for you. I'm Faith Saley. So you're a vigilant stockpiler, and you're in your 30s. I've been curious to know what it's like to be a vigilant stockpiler in your 30s. Here's what I found out. Let's start with the stockpiler part. I went out and asked some vigilant stockpilers about their finances. Here's what they had to say about money. I feel more prepared when I have more money. I think if I had more money, I'd be less stressed. I have no debt. I've never had any debt. So I've always been very responsible of making sure that that was taken care of. I am feeling worried about money, but also I feel like the worrying is almost like a muscle. Okay, so what did I learn about your financial behavior type? You love watching your bank balance grow. You find comfort in knowing that your expenses are covered. It feels safe to know exactly how much you have. I met one vigilant stockpiler who had developed an incredibly thorough system for managing her money. I am in awe of her. Here's Denise. My name is Denise. My budgeting system is a very intricate, almost psycho system of envelopes filled with cash. Each envelope is marked for something that I either want or need to save money for and I will dole out to these really dog-eared envelopes. This is my way of, I guess, calming myself down and realizing, you know, I have enough. It took a while to um, allow myself to let go. I have learned, it has taken some time, but yeah, let go of some of the cash, buy some things, and, and it will come back. I had never heard of anyone managing money the way that Denise does, but it makes sense for her, especially because it helps her manage her anxiety around her finances. Well, you may not exhibit the same behavior as Denise, you are both vigilant stockpilers. I was curious what a financial expert would say about her money management system, or a psychologist. So I turned to a financial psychologist, Dr. Brad Klontz. Let's talk about Denise. She seems pretty sanguine about the way her system works for her. So what advice would you have for her? I actually love the envelope approach for several reasons. Like, number one, it's, it's a great budgeting approach. Number two, it's so tactile. You're actually touching money. You're putting it in envelopes. That actually generates feelings of euphoria. So when Denise talks about that, I'm reminded of all the research that's been done where when you're touching cash you feel happier, Mm. you feel stronger, and you actually feel more resistant to pain. And the great thing about that approach too is it's, you can actually see that pile diminish as you're spending. You pretty much approve of of Denise's approach to money. It seems to be working for her. Do you have any advice, anything you'd suggest for her? You know, I think Denise might have some risks because, you know, her her passion for the system is, is, um, it's it's a powerful passion. It's a system that's been working. Um, You know, I wonder what, what would happen um, if she was to hate to bring up this subject, but if she got into a relationship mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, relationships, that's where we actually have the, the biggest struggle around money. It's also one of the most um, powerful opportunities for you to actually examine your relationship with money. 
Uh, because unless she found someone who did it exactly the way she did, there's probably going to be some tension into how do we do money together as a, as a household. What are the benefits or opportunities of falling into this behavior type? Well, the benefits to being um, very vigilant is that anxiety around money leads you to be quite prudent. There's a lot of benefit to having some anxiety about the future. Um, you know, it, it's the squirrel who knows that winter's coming and there's not going to be a lot of nuts that um, collects them and saves them. And so if you don't have some sort of anxiety around not having enough in the future, you're very unlikely to save. So it does inspire saving. Yeah, and we keep hearing about the importance of having, you know, an emergency fund. So a vigilant stockpiler, you know, he or she is ready for that emergency. Right, and so they're anticipating it. They realize it might happen. How can a vigilant stockpiler create a healthy financial process? Well, I think part of it is that recognizing that this intense anxiety have, you have about money, it makes total absolute sense. Uh, because there is something that's happened in your past or your parents' past or grandparents' past that has hardwired this in your brain. You know, it, it brings to mind um, that classic Dickens character, Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, and not to say that they're bitter and angry <laughs> individuals, but there's so much anxiety about not having enough. Um, and actually the first book I wrote was The Financial Wisdom of Ebenezer Scrooge. And there's enough information in the story that we realized that he grew up very poor, he had intense anxiety about not having enough money, and he became in essence a money hoarder. But let's remember at the end of A Christmas Carol, it's a happy ending, right? Even Ebenezer Scrooge can have a change of heart. That's absolutely correct. You're, it's never too late to change. Thank you so much for talking with us. It was, it was really a pleasure. You're very welcome. Thank you for um, giving me the opportunity. My conversation with Dr. Klontz got me really interested in the idea of financial psychology. What does financial wellness mean for a vigilant stockpiler? To answer this question, I turned to another financial therapist, Amanda Clayman. Here's what she told me. This is a, a financial behavior that is all about trying to feel safe by holding on. Among your clients who fall into the vigilant stockpiler type, what kinds of financial behaviors do you see them engaging in? There's often a, a preoccupation with the future. If I just do all of these things now um, to save, I can defer and defer and defer. And I always think of this, by the way, when I look at how many miles that I've collected on my airlines, like. You know, I might have 500,000 miles on on one airline and I'm, I'm it's always someday in the future I'm going to buy business, you know, I'm going to use it for business class tickets for my entire family to go on safari. But but when am I ever going to do that? Yeah, money needs a direction. So if we're we're saving, we have to think about what we are saving for. Okay, so let's recap what we've heard. First, don't forget to indulge. You're great about saving money for the long term. Now you also need to make sure you're using your money for the present. Maybe make a point of doing something nice for yourself once a week. That's what your money's for. Or if it feels more comfortable to you, create a slush fund for yourself. A savings account only for fun. Use it for that vacation you've been meaning to take or that new TV you've been wanting. And remember, money needs a direction. Keep in mind what it is exactly you're saving for. Setting goals will help make your saving purposeful.
So we've heard what it's like to manage money as a vigilant stockpiler. But to get the full picture of your financial situation, we also have to think about your current stage of life. What's unique about being in your 30s? What might be some of the challenges in front of you right now? And what about the opportunities? Out in the world, I also asked some folks in their 30s for snapshots of their finances. And this is what they told me. Uh, when I turned 30, I definitely saw myself more as like an adult. I feel very anxious about my debt. Um, I just didn't think that I would still have this problem at 30. There's all of this like shame associated with not having enough money. And then there's also all of this anxiety with like getting money and making sure you have enough money. So this is what I heard. The 30s are all about change. You're looking to the future, laying the foundation for the rest of your life. You might be choosing a partner, thinking about buying a home or having children. One woman I spoke to was right in the middle of her 30s and entering a whole new phase of adulthood. She and her husband had just bought a house and just had a baby. And she was feeling a little uneasy about her finances. Here's what she said. My name is Erin, and I'm 36. Um, I think my 30s, I kind of feel like an adult. Childcare is a giant worry of mine. Now my goals work-wise are just making enough money to pay for his daycare. Since being pregnant, I tried to get all of my ducks in a row, and I opened up an IRA, and my husband has a 401k, and we have a little thing for my son. You know, so, so we definitely, we're pretty into saving. Again, I wanted to talk to a financial expert to hear what advice they would give to Aaron or someone similarly squeezed between big life decisions. I reached out to Kimberly Palmer, a financial journalist. Kimberly writes a lot about money management for parents. And whether you have kids or not, she's got tons of good advice for 30-somethings. Here's Kimberly. Let's talk about Erin a little bit. So Erin is recognizing that child care is almost as much as her mortgage. What advice would you have for Erin? I love Aaron's story because it's like, wow, I have these huge expenses and I feel so crunched. So I think that, first of all, she can let go of some of the guilt that she has about spending money on certain things. I definitely got the sense from what she's saying that she feels guilty now. So I think my main advice to her is to step back for a minute and just make a list of all of your priorities and making your budget then to reflect those priorities so you don't feel this daily, oh no, I'm spending too much money on that. Because you've worked it out, you know you will be spending money on those things, at least for the foreseeable future, and that's okay. And you'll just make sure that your budget can handle it. I'd love to talk about personal finance generally for people in their 30s. So what are the financial challenges and concerns that you see facing people in their 30s? You are a 30-something, right? I am. I'm right in the middle there. Yeah. So the biggest is just that we have so much pressure, so much expenses just sucking away at our income. It's hard to handle it all. So a lot of us are starting to have parents that might need help, um, assistance, either caregiving or financially in some cases. And then at the same time, our kids' expenses are just growing. Uh, kids are so expensive. And then on top of that, we have, you know, our we're trying to manage our careers and our earning potential and power trying to grow that amidst all of that pressure. A lot of us still have student loans we're paying off too. Uh, we have bigger household expenses, mortgage, rent. So, I mean, it's like everything is hitting us at once. The question is, how do we juggle all that? 
So those are the challenges and concerns. What are some advantages to being somebody in your 30s when it comes to finances? We have so much earning potential still ahead of us. If we can hold on to that earning power and build it, um, then that is something we really have on our side. What are the big decisions you see 30-somethings facing when it comes to money? First of all, I think it's about prioritizing what those long-term goals are. I mean, you have to kind of pick and choose because we can't do everything. So are you going to save for your own retirement, which I think we have to make our top priority, versus setting up your kid's college savings account, which of course we want to do also, but maybe we have to wait a little bit while we still are getting our own retirement goals down. How should people be thinking about retirement when they're in their 30s? Retirement might feel like it's still far off, but you know, it's the most important thing we can do in our 30s is to make sure we've opened up those accounts if we haven't already. It's so striking. If you look at the numbers of when you start saving for retirement, if you start in your 20s, you have to save so much less to get to the same amount than if you start in your 30s or 40s. And if we can just feel motivated enough by that to open up those accounts as soon as possible, uh, it will pay off so much in the long run. It's so important for us to do. Okay, so did you catch that? First of all, Kimberly Palmer says that you have to concentrate on saving for retirement in your 30s. Make sure you open up those retirement accounts. Now is the time. She also says that before you make a budget, you should think about your goals and priorities. What's most important to you? And then make sure you've organized your budget to reflect whatever it is you most want. Because ultimately, how you spend your money is just a reflection of your values. And we learned that in your 30s, you still have tons of earning potential. So make sure you're taking steps in your career to keep maximizing that potential. Go after that promotion. Ask for that raise. Last of all, we want everyone to know that if you've made mistakes or been out of balance with your financial choices, there's no shame in it. Every financial expert stresses that it's never too late. (sighs) You can make meaningful changes starting today. So whatever you do or however you feel about money, no matter what age you are or behavior type you fall into, it's okay. You just need to be aware of the kind of person you are when it comes to your finances so you can grow. And more importantly, be happy. That's all for this episode of Wealth Wits. Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Brad Klontz, Amanda Clayman, and Kimberly Palmer. And special thanks to Denise and Aaron for sharing their stories. If you want to learn about money matters at other stages of life, or if you're curious about other financial behavior types, check out slate.com slash explorewealthwits. You can also subscribe to the entire series wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, why not let people know by leaving us a good review? I'm Faith Saley. Thanks so much for joining us.